Can we give it up for your senior pastor, Pastor Ken and Holly? I mean, like you really love them. Come on. Amen. Before I tell you about me, we believe at Bridger Ministries that we give people flowers while they're still living. Amen. And uh, what I want to say this is Pastor Ken and Holly, even though she's not here, we honor you guys. Let me tell you this, Lighthouse, what you have here is legacy. What you have here is special. When I travel all over the country preaching to churches, not every church has senior leadership like you have here. So do not take it for granted for what you have just because you see him every Sunday. You have a gift here in your senior leadership. Amen. Can we show them appreciation again and the pastoral staff? Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Pastor Alex, and I am from Bridger Ministries. And our whole goal at Bridger Ministries is to build bridges of hope to this next generation. How many know our world needs a little bit more hope? Amen. Some people are like, yes, God, yes. I know some people that need some hope in Jesus' name. Anyway. Um, yeah, so Bridger Ministries, um, when we travel all across the country and preaching in services or going to schools or different things, people always ask, like, how can we stay up to date with you? Uh, how, can we, how can we support you? Let me tell you this. The biggest way that you can support us in our ministry is prayer. Prayer. Besides everything else, prayer is the biggest thing to support us in what we're doing. Okay, if you want more information on us, you can come see me after service or you can go to our website. But I want to introduce you to my family. Can I do that real quick? They're not here with me today, but I'm a new dad, so I'm going to show you off my kid and you're going to have to look at him, okay? All right, so let me show you to my wife, Grace. Okay, see, y'all did way better than the 8 a.m. because I introduced my wife, Grace. I'm like, this is my wife. And they're like, I'm like, I'm glad she's not here, but she's watching online. So I'm glad y'all responded well. My wife and baby are watching online. That's my beautiful wife, Grace. And I also am a new dad to an eight-month-old son, baby Xander. That's it. Yeah. Um, I will say I love my son, but he is also teething eight teeth at the same time. Um, so if you're a parent, please intercede on our behalf for our sleep. In Jesus' name. Uh, yeah. With him teething and, it, you know, time change Sunday, I don't know what I'm going to say today. So if you, uh, if you got any complaints, send them to Pastor Daniel at Lighthouse. Just kidding. But we also have some more kids, and my wife always tells people that these kids look more like me than my actual son. Can we show them? That's Will and Lola. Those are our fur babies, and, uh, yes, they're daddy's girls. But these are my babies. And um, I think our next slide is the sermon slide, if I'm correct. Perfect. Today we're going to talk about a sermon uh, with a title, Don't Drop Your Baton. Can we say that together? Don't drop your baton. All right, hold on. Let's get in sync. I know it's time change week. Don't drop your baton. We're going to do good in the service. I'm a talk back preacher, okay? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you up here. Well, unless the Spirit tells me to, then I will. But I'm a talk back preacher. Which means, when I'm saying something good, I need you to say one of the following. You say, preach. Say, keep going. You say, preach, preach, white boy. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Just talk back to me, okay? Okay. Again, if you got complaints, Pastor Daniel at Lighthouse. I'm just kidding. Don't drop your baton. Can we pray before we get started? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God... What you've already done in this place has been miraculous, but God, we know that you're not done working. God, I pray that you move the agenda out of the way today. Get me out of the way. Holy Spirit, I pray that you open eyes and ears and hearts today. That today will be a monumental service for some. That say, that's the moment that my life was changed forever. God, I pray whatever we brought in here with, God, that we would not leave with in Jesus' name. And God, we pray for life change in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. This is going to be the fun service. This is going to be fun. Well, I know you don't know a lot about me. You may have seen me at White Noise. You may be, this is the first time you're ever meeting me. Uh, but I'm going to give you a quick snapshot of who I am. Um, and that's, I love sports. Any other sports fans in the house? How many are like, I don't even know, I could care less about sports. 
Okay, well, I love sports, so we're going to talk about sports. I'm just kidding. But I grew up in a very competitive household. Y'all know people that are very competitive? Okay, if you're not raising your hand, that's probably you. Um, anyway, in my house, uh, when I was growing up, Monopoly even got competitive, right? I think it started with my dad. Pastor Ken, listen, we may have to talk afterwards. My dad would do this thing after he would win, because he wouldn't let me just win easy. Like, he, he would do this thing, and it still gets under my nerves if he does it today. My dad's 60-something years old, and it still gets on my, He does this thing where he goes like this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, so it didn't matter what we were doing, I, just competitive nature, and I grew up very competitive, right? But this is my prime time of year because it's March, which means it's March madness. All right, we're going to make it far today. And uh, I won't tell you my team because we did not make it to the ACC championship game, but I love college basketball, right? And my family loves sports all the way around. And even then, my mom was very competitive, and we would just have sports on the TV all the time. ESPN, Sports Center. But I remember growing up, my mom would always have one thing in particular she always had to have on, even if we didn't watch it, and it's the Olympics. Anybody else love the Olympics? How many are like, I could care less about the Olympics? Okay. Well, we just ended with, ended with the Winter Olympics, but we always watched the Olympics. It just had to be on, right? And we just finished with the Winter Olympics, and it said that Team USA um, ended up getting 24 medals overall. Now, out of all the games in the Olympics, my favorite is probably the relay race, right? Anybody else enjoy the running? I enjoy it because I'm not the one doing it, right? I like watching people run. And uh, anyway, but I love to cheer on Team USA, right? Some national pride. Hey, we're going to win some gold medals. And that's what you think if you're a Team USA fan for running, but that's not the case. Don't know if you know this, but Team USA has been projected to win gold every time we come up to the relay race. But we don't win gold. Because something happens in Team USA history. So here's what happens. Team USA projected top three in the relay race in 2008 in Beijing. Here's what happens. They're running in this relay race, right? That's all y'all got today. That's all I'm doing. That's my running, okay? If somebody wants to come run, you can, but not me. Running, right? And here's what happens. In Beijing, they have a baton. And during the relay race, they go to hand the baton in the exchange zone. Now, let me, exchange, let me explain about the exchange zone. Exchange zone, let me talk. Exchange zone is 1.9 meters long. It's two seconds. It's very quick transition. USA ended up giving the baton to the runner before the exchange zone. We get disqualified. 2011, you think we would learn by now, but it's okay. 2011, running, doing the thing. We're looking good. Right when we get to the baton, the exchange zone, we collide with another runner in another lane. Okay, hold on. And then 2015, they're running, Projected, top three, and they hand the baton off after the exchange zone. Sounds like Team USA got some work to do, right? And you say, why do I tell you that? I don't know. I don't have no reason to tell you that story. I'm just kidding. Those are the point I'm telling you. But I think we can learn a lot as Lighthouse Church when it comes to Team USA's relay race running. I think it can parallel to our Christian walk, too. See, more often, things seem to go well. Life is grand. We're living for Jesus. Things are awesome. We're running our race of faith with Jesus, but then we have exchange zone moments where we can often fumble the baton of faith in our race. We're running our race well. Things are going good. We're looking good while we're running. And then stuff comes up that when we start to hand the baton of faith off, Seems like sometimes in our Christian world, we fumble the baton. We fumble it to the next generation. We fumble it to our coworkers sharing the gospel. Things come up in our own Christian walk that hinder us. And how we handle these moments in our own race of faith determines how well we run. 
And by we, I don't mean just you. I mean we as Lighthouse Church. It determines how long we run, and it affects the outcome of the entire team here. So today, briefly, I want to share a familiar Bible verse and explain the nature of how we can run our race of faith together well. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. If you, don't, if you don't have your physical Bible, you can use your electronic Bible. Hope you charged it. If you don't have that, we have the Sky Bible. If you're there, say amen. If you're not, say hold up. All right, we got one. I'll give you five seconds. Five. Here we go. Verse one, it says this. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Such a powerful verse, right? How many have heard that scripture before? It's a famous verse in all the Bible. And Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, are, are hanging on Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture, because it's called the uh, Hall of Faith or Hall of Fame, right? And in that chapter, we have all these Sunday school heroes that we know and love, and it explains what their mission was or what they did by faith. So you have, by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, Moses, Abel, Enoch, Jacob, right? All these things, and then you move right into chapter 12. Now, before I tell you about running our race well and how we can do that, I think we need to understand the context a little bit deeper of Hebrews chapter 12 before we get started. Can we do that? Okay. So Hebrews chapter 12, the writer starts with the verse saying, therefore. Now, I've been to Bible college, and my teacher told me, when you see therefore in Scripture, you need to ask, what's it there for? <laughs> right? You say, well, why, is it, why does he start with therefore? Because it's, it's hanging on Hebrews chapter 11. Meaning that what's ever coming, we need to do it in the same way that Hebrews chapter 11 did. Meaning this, we need to run our race the same way that the heroes of faith did in Hebrews chapter 11. Where they ran with endurance, they ran with Jesus being the focus, they ran with determination, and we need to do the same. But oftentimes in our Western culture mindset, I, I typically see that people say, I'll run my race myself. I'm going to do me. You do you, I'm going to do me. And by the laughs, I know you know what I'm talking about. No. Even though God calls us to a standard ourselves, we run this race corporately together. Running your race individually goes against the mandate of Scripture. What this is telling us is this is an eternal divine relay. The Christian race is not based on individual talents and individual accolades. Like who can run the fastest? We are in this together, in this eternal relay race. What is also saying this, and therefore, is that there are people that ran before us in this cloud of witnesses. And why is that important? Is that because if there's people running before us, that there's a generation following behind us. We are better together. We need each person running their race. We need each one doing their part to bring the gospel here on earth. Hebrews 11 shows us the importance of remembering generations. If we forget about the ones who ran before us, we may forget about the ones who are coming behind us. And let me encourage you, Lighthouse, if we run the race just to run, the faith journey just stops with us. If the runner stops before us, we cannot run our own race. And if we fumble the baton of faith, the runner ahead of us will never get their own chance to run. The first key word is therefore. The second key phrase is let us also. Everybody say that. Let us also. 
You say, Pastor Alex, what does that mean? I'm glad that you asked. Let us also symbolizes that there is a responsibility in us and to us to run our race with excellence. As a Christian, when you are running your race of faith, there is a standard that we run to. We don't have nothing when it comes to our race with faith. And so many times I see in our church world when I travel to speak, not here, I'm talking about other places, where people run their race of faith and they just do it half-heartedly. And we have a world that's watching us. And why would a world watching us want to run their own race of faith when we do it half-heartedly? Do you know there's people... Thank you, PD. I'm going to get that on a T-shirt. You know there's people watching you at your job? You know there's people in your family that you can't stand that are watching you? You know that uncle that always comes and thinks? I'm just kidding. But in all seriousness, you know there are people that are watching you run your race of faith. They're seeing how you run. They're seeing how you respond. And if we're ever going to reach our world and our generation for Jesus, we need to make sure we run with excellence in everything that we do. This baton of faith is for us to carry to our generation, for our generation, and to set up the next generation. Newsflash, God knows that he needed you here in 2022, post-pandemic. And everything in the world that's going on, the stresses, all the, all, you name it, we got it going on in our world today. But God needed you here for such a time as this to run your race of faith with purpose for this generation and to set up the next generation. And I know you know this, but in 2022, there's plenty of sin in our world. There's so much suffering, so much to be overwhelmed by. But you know what the biggest problem is that we have today? I don't think it's morality. I don't think it's money. I don't think it's politics. I think the biggest problem we have today is non-believing Christians that keep the baton of faith to themselves and they won't evangelize to the world. The biggest problem we have today is non-believing Christians. Let that set in. That keep their baton of faith to themselves. They won't hand it and evangelize to the world. Here's what we need. We need a generation that says, hey, I'm going to carry my baton of faith wherever I go. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to do my part. I will use my gifts and talents to make my generation better. Then I'm not going to wait for anybody else to take up the mantle. I will be the answer. I will carry my baton of faith. Church, let me ask you, what are you doing with your baton of faith? Think about it. At your job, what are you doing with your baton of faith? Students, at your school, what are you doing with your baton of faith? On social media, what are you doing with your baton of faith? When we go to our job, we carry the baton of faith. When we pray, that's us carrying our baton of faith. When we go to family gatherings that we don't want to go to, that's us carrying our baton of faith. As Christians, it is our job to carry the mantle. And when we carry this baton of faith, we leave an example to the next generation to follow after us. You say, Pastor Alex, why does this even matter? Why does it matter that we carry our baton of faith? I'm glad that you asked. Turn to Judges chapter 2 in your Bible. And no, we don't have the Sky Bible on this one, so you got to look it up. Judges chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. If you're there, say amen. All right, we're going to read it. Verse 7 says this, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. I'm going to repeat that. Who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. Verse 8, And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years old. Let's skip to verse 10. It says this, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them that did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Here we have the passage where Joshua had just died, a great leader. And he has seen God do many things in his life. 
You can list them, right? Walls of Jericho, going to the promised land, leading people out of slavery to freedom, manna from heaven, surviving, surviving the wilderness with the Israelites, which I think is the biggest miracle of all when you survive wilderness with some complaining people, right? But here's what the Bible says. It says it states that the generation that followed after Joshua's generation did not know the Lord or the work that he had even done. So what happened? That that generation of Joshua's generation ran their race of faith, had the baton of faith in their hand, and God did amazing things, but somewhere along the line, they dropped the baton. Somewhere along the line, they got comfortable in the promised land. They got comfortable with the life they had, too complacent to care, and what happened? A generation never knew the Lord or the works that he has done. Why does this matter? Because there's a dying world out there who needs an answer. There's a dying world that needs hope, that needs joy, that needs forgiveness. And how selfish would it be of us to run our race of faith, to not share Jesus and leave our friends and family in the same situations when we have the answer? Lighthouse, let me ask you, do you even care? Do we care enough about running our race of faith that we're going to set up the next generation to run longer and faster and stronger than we ever did? Or are we too complacent to care? Are we going to run our race in such a way that our coworkers matter? That our relatives matter? That the person that hurt us in the past matters? That a strange family member matters? Do we care? So you say, Pastor Alex, how do we run our race of faith well? How do we finish strong? How do we continue to live for Jesus? How do we invite people to run with us? I'm glad that you asked. Hebrews 12 tells us, and point number one is this, to run your race well, you have to remember that you're not alone. Hebrews 12 states that there's a cloud of witnesses, that cloud of witnesses are Christians who ran their race too, but have went on before us. And what it's saying is that there's a people that have run this race before you that have passed on, but with Jesus are cheering you on to finish strong. Now, let me, I'll be honest. I don't know if you know this, but being a Christian is sometimes hard. <laughs> Running this race is not easy. This is not always enjoyable. But this is why we're reminded to not do this alone. There are people around you today sitting in church with you that are running their race too. And I want to encourage you that they want to love you and they want to keep, uh, keep you going and encourage you. But how many know sometimes we like to live in isolation? We run our own individual race, not with anyone else. And there's people in here today that they want to love you. They want to encourage you and keep going. But here's what that means. That means you also need to be there for someone else too. This life is too lonely to run alone. You need people. We weren't made to live life alone. And you say, Pastor Alex, I'm an introvert. Pastor Alex, I don't have friends. I get that. But that doesn't mean you need to do life alone. You need to find another introvert. Y'all can be introverted together. You're not made to do life alone. You need people to challenge you. You need people to equip you. You need people to hold you accountable. And you need to do that for others, too. Even as an extrovert, sometimes you got too many people running your race. You got too many people trying to hand a baton to you. You got to find your tribe and run with them. Why? Why does this matter? Because I guarantee the same way that you feel right now, lonely, isolated, overwhelmed, needing a friend, there's someone in here that feels the same way. If we're transparent. So point number one, we need to run our race. We need to remember that you're not alone. Point number two is this, to run your race, we must get rid of every weight and sin that hinders our run. Now, if you notice in the text of Scripture that it defines sin and weight differently, right? Interesting that it does that. Weight and sin, why wouldn't they be the same? I'm glad that you asked. I'm going to bring up my uh, prop with Randy. Can we give it up for Randy? This is not the prop. I'm just kidding. Did you see the look on his face? He's like, what? He's like, we did this at the 8 a.m. Anyway. So here I am, Pastor Alex, running my race of faith, 
doing everything I can to live for Jesus, right? Doing my run, looking good while I'm doing it. Running my race, and, and here's what Hebrews 12 says. It says, hey, you need to, if you're going to run this race, if you're going to do this series, if you're going to be about this, you need to cast off every sin and wait. Let me explain. Let's say I had secret addictions in my life. Now, running by myself, I'm good. But if I'm running with Randy, I, I got something that's holding me back a little bit. Now, I can still run, but I have secret addictions that nobody knows about. And there's some of us in here today that are running with Jesus, but we got secret sins that are holding us back to living the full run that we're supposed to do. And we're trying to run as much as we can, but we still got a little bit of a tug in running our race. Or maybe, you know what? Can we, be, can we be transparent today since I'm family? Again, email Pastor Daniel at Lighthouse. Maybe, maybe you don't have addictions in your life. Maybe, maybe it's anger. Maybe you're just angry all the time. Every time somebody says something, you just want to pop off, right? You're just angry. You're just mad at the world. Or you have anger and bitterness towards someone that's done you wrong. You know that will hinder your race with Jesus? That when we try to run, okay, now I don't just have addictions, now I got anger problems. So now I'm running a little bit slower, right? Let's say Pastor Alex is a little bit more jacked up than that, okay? Let's say, man, I'm not only angry, not only I have addictions, but now I'm bitter too. I'm bitter at how my life turned out. I'm bitter at how my family, I'm bitter at how the life handed me these set of cards I got to deal with. And I'm not talking about bitter at bad things. For me, my mom died in 2015. I was a junior in college. But how many know if I was still bitter at what happened, I would always run with a limp? We have things in our lives or you know what? Maybe it's resentment. Maybe you're resenting someone. Maybe you're sitting, resenting someone sitting beside you. And we're trying to run our race of faith, but now I've got addictions, anger, resentment, and bitterness holding me from running my race. And now people that are watching me run my race are saying, something's jacked up with him. And then they begin to say, well, why would I even run my race if he's? Then it says, okay, you know what? It's not just the sin that hinders. It's the weight. And I asked God, I said, what's the difference? Why are we talking about this? He said, because weights were good in a season, but now they're not meant for this season. So now we have weights in our lives where you know what? Serving at church once a month was good for a season. Oh. It was good for a season, and God called you to serve once a month, but now he's called you to a deeper level of intimacy in serving at church. You know staying complacent and serving just once a month will be a weight that hinders you from your run with Jesus? Can we be real? Let's talk about giving and generosity. I love church. I love what I'm doing, but, you know, I'm just going to give when I can. And that's great. But if God's convicting you to tithe and give more than just whenever, and you don't, that's a weight that now when you're trying to run, you're hindering your run. Or you know what? Maybe it's, maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's relationships that turn into weights. That for a season, that relationship was good. It was great. You still got pictures on Instagram. <laughs> but now in this season, they weren't meant to take you to where you need to go. But if you still stick them around, you're going to be dragging them to where God wants to take you. Lighthouse, I, I want you to ask yourself, what is the, the, the sin or weight that's holding you back in your life? If you were to put a name tag on one of these guys, what would it be? And we all have something. 
But if we're going to run our race to the best of our ability, if we're going to give this world everything we have and giving them Jesus, we've got to be real about casting these off. And, and, and I want to say this. I didn't say it in the 8 a.m., but I want to say this. I'm tired of Christians in our world today thinking that they do not have the authority to cast off these things from their lives. I have seen so many Christians. Can I go down here to this tangent? I've seen so many Christians become complacent and live with a limp that they were not meant to live with. My life will always be this way. You just don't understand. I've, I've always been bitter. My dad did. I want to talk about it. You don't know what happened to me in my past, so I've always got to look. No. There's a voice inside of you. There's a power and authority inside of you as a believer running this race that you can cast off anything that hinders you. I'm tired of being weak Christians. If we have the power of the resurrection living inside of us, what are we doing? Why would anybody else want the power of the resurrection inside of them? If we're walking around weak. Some of us are still living like Jesus is in the tomb. And now we're going to preach to a world of a resurrected king when we still think he's on the cross. God have mercy. Ooh, I could go somewhere with that. Anyway, can we give it up for my props? Thank you, sir. Lighthouse, it's time to cast off the things that hinder us to run our race well. Point number three is this. To run our race, we must run our own race. We talked earlier in the message how this race isn't based on individual talent or star power. It's an eternal race. But I find it interesting that the author mentions us for, to run our own race before us. Why? Because there's an individual responsibility for you to run your own race, not someone else's. Often I see people who do not do what God's called them to do because they're too, bu too busy waiting for the progress of the season. The final product, the finish line. Then they forget that the here is where you start today. You cannot get to progression without initiating a first step. What the writer is saying, hey, you've got to run your own race and you've got to start now. But so many times I see Christians. Here's what we do. And what do we do? We watch everybody else's race while we're standing still. And let me tell you, there's a word for someone today. The comparison factor that you have is killing running your race. If I was running my race of faith and all I'm ever doing is watching how Pastor Ken runs his race, not in a mentor way, because I do believe we watch other people run their race to see how they run. But if I'm watching it in a comparison factor, oh, I'll, I'll never be as good a speaker as him. I'll never have cool shoes like him. I'll never, right? If I'm always watching him, I'm going to run into him because that's where my focus is. Your focus is not on other people's races. Your focus is Jesus. We get paralyzed when we often compare ourselves to the point where we feel like we'll never be where they are. So we have to run your race well, we have to remember you're not alone. To run your race well, we must get rid of every weight and sin that hinders our run. To run our race well, we must run our own race. And point number four is this, to run your race, we ultimately have to focus on Jesus. We run with an end goal in mind, and that end goal is Jesus. If you're running this race for any other thing beside Jesus, stop running. Because you'll never hit your finish line. If you're running for popularity, if you're running just to fit in, if, no, stop. Your focus needs to be Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the savior of the world, the chosen one, the risen king. If he's not your focus, quit running. And redirect your focus back to him. You say, well, why do we even run this race? Because there's a dying world in need of a Savior. 
There's a world full of sin and death and anxiety and depression and suicide, and they need an answer. I talk to students all the time. You know the second leading cause of death in this generation is suicide? The only answer that we have is Jesus. He's the one who redeems. He's the one who heals brokenness. It's all because of the life he lived, death he died, and the resurrection that we now in Jesus can run our own race. Lighthouses are closed. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask them to play keys because keys make everything more spiritual. In conclusion of today's message, I want to share a brief story with you if I can. In 1519, there's a Spanish commander named Cortez, Commander Cortez. Right? Running our race of faith. 1519, Commander Cortez. Spanish commander, he's getting ready to take over Mexico. He pulls up with all his ships on the side and he sees nothing but an army covering where he's going to be. And he knows that that's where he's going. His men see all the army and kind of see their shoulders drop a little bit and wondering what we're going to do. Commander Cortez says, you know what, just unload everybody. We're, we're going to take this land. You kind of see it where his men are kind of, you know, we're, let's do it, right? But they're not really motivated behind it. It's not a brave heart scene, right? Like, we're going we're gonna to take the land. We're going to do it. So he's thinking to himself, well, I, I need something to, I need something to motivate my men. I need, I need something. I, we, we've got to take this land. So he gets this idea in his head, and this is what he says. He tells a second in command, he says, go back to the ships. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to burn the ships. And his men that are watching, seeing smoke as the ships are on flames. They're saying, what? What is going on? How are we going to go back home? How are we going to? Commander Cortez says, the goal was never to go back home. We're going to take the land and there's not going to be any retreat. And why do I tell you that, Lighthouse? I believe this is a word for someone. It's time for you in running your race to burn the ships of going back. It's time for you in this moment to say, there's no retreat. There's no going back. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to do everything I can to run my race of faith. I'm going to cast off sin that hinders. I'm going to live for the calling that God's put on my life. I'm going to pass the generation, the baton of faith with everything that I have. There's not going to be anything left in the tank when I'm done. When I go to my job, when I see my family, when I see a lost and broken world, will I care enough to give them the baton of faith? Will I run my race in such a way with conviction and passion and excellence that you know what? People want to come to Jesus because of what I've done, because of the race that God has gifted me in. How many of us today need to burn the ships of our own lives? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I believe the word gives us a chance to respond today. Lighthouse, I say this as family, but some of us, we've got to get tired of being sick and tired. So I'm going to make a call here in this moment that for two groups of people, maybe you're here and you heard me talk about Jesus and the hope that's found in him. Here's what I want to let you know, that there's a man, a savior that died 2,000 years ago, that lived the life that you should have lived and died the death that you should have died. And you say, Pastor Alex, I need hope. I need to put my hope in something that's not going to fail me. And this is not just a ticket to heaven situation. This is living a better life here on earth. Say, I need hope in something. If that's you and you say, I want to put my hope and faith in Jesus for the first, second, 50th time. It doesn't matter. You say, I want to return back home. I'm going to burn the ships and I'm going to go all in in my faith. If that's you on the count of three, I just want you to look up at me. Ready? One, 
two, three. If that's you, look up at me. I see you. I see you. I see you. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Anyone else? Amen. The second group of people I want to talk to is those that have been running your race of faith, but you say, Pastor Alex, this has not been easy. This has not been an easy journey. I've been through a pandemic. I've been through hardships. My life's a mess. My family's a wreck. I don't know what I'm doing. See, Pastor Alex, I got sin and weights that, that are holding me. And I need to get rid of them. I've got to cast those things off. I, I can't keep doing what I've been doing. If that's you on the count of three, I want to pray for you in this moment. If that's you, I want you to look up at me. Ready? One, two, three. I see you. Yeah. Anyone else? I see you. I see you. With heads bowed and eyes closed still, I, I believe that this service is different in a way because I'm going to ask because we've built a level of trust in this moment. You've trusted me. I've trusted you. I'm going to ask, hey, that we make this thing for real. That you're not going to walk out of here the same way that you came in with. That the power of God in this moment is going to break chains off people's lives. So if that's you and you say, Pastor Alex, hey, I just responded. We made eye contact. I want you to meet me down here. We're going to pray. And we're going to believe for life change in this moment that chains will break. Ready? If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to step out and be bold. Ready? One, two, three. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't wait. Don't leave the same way you came in. Come on. This is your moment to get free. This is your moment to be transparent. Nobody's got to know what you're dealing with, but in this moment, you and Jesus are going to make a decision. We're not walking out the same way. Anyone else? Anyone else? Before I transition this moment, I want you to turn to the person next to you if you're still not responding, because I know some people don't want to respond because they don't want to go alone. I want you to look to the person next to you and say, hey, I will go down with you if you want to respond. Ready? One, two, three. Tell them. Anyone else? Okay. As he plays, I'm going to get some of the prayer partners, pastoral staff to come pray while we're down here. Come on, make your way. And we're going to believe for life change in Jesus' name, okay? And here's what I'm going to ask that us as Lighthouse Church, if you're still in this moment, I'm going to ask that you pray for your city, that you pray for your neighbors, that you intercede on their behalf, as Pastor Ken was talking to us earlier. Intercede on behalf that you may run your race well. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for life change in Jesus' mighty name. God, we pray right now that you begin to break chains in Jesus' name. God, that what has held them on for so long, God, it would not hold them any longer. God, we pray right now in Jesus' name that you begin to make a way where there seems to be no way, God. God, we pray for release right now in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for an outpouring of your spirit, God. God, an outpouring of your spirit that they may not come back the same way that they came in here with. God, we pray against everything that has tried to come against them. God, we pray against what has happened to them in their life, past decisions. God, we break chains right now in Jesus' name. God, begin to break chains now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
God, we pray for peace over your people in Jesus' name. God, we pray against anxiety and depression in Jesus' name. God, we pray joy in that house in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's pray. Let's pray. In Jesus' name, begin to work, God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we pray against the memory of past decision in Jesus' name. God, we pray against bad uh, past decisions and memories. God, they hold on to. God, we pray for clear mind and clarity as they move forward in Jesus' name. God, we pray for safeguards in their lives in Jesus' name. God, we pray for community in their life in Jesus' name to know that they're not gonna run this race alone. In Jesus' name. church as as they're continuing to pray down here and get ministered. Before we leave, I want us to end in this song really quick, just a chorus. Let's make this our prophetic declaration today moving forward as we run our race of faith. Can we do that together? Thank you. Come on, just lift your hands. We're going to sing All Hail King Jesus. All Hail King Jesus. Come on, let's go in just for a little bit longer. Come on. Lighthouse, let's sing it like we mean it. Come on.
done right now. I just hope that you will lean into this word this morning. I know that God's got something for you right where you're at. I know God is ministering powerfully right here in this room, but I'm going to pray for you. Look, can we pray for everybody that's watching online right now? Father, we just pray right now, wherever this word finds people, Lord, that they would be bold to lay aside the sin and the weight, that they would be bold to recognize that the Savior reached out to them. And it's not the, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. It's the people that are jacked up and screwed up and have a mess of their lives. And, and, and yet, Jesus, you came for us. You came for us to set us free. You came for us with our broken relationships. You came for us with our messed up thinking. You came for us. Lord, thank you for that word today. Lord, I pray that we would be bold to take a hold of that word because you sent it for us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that word came through a messenger. And we need to do something to bless our messenger today. So before you leave today, would you uh, take stock of what, what God's deposited on the inside of you spiritually and put a number attached to it and let's give an offering for Bridger Ministries. If you're making a check, you can make it payable to Lighthouse. You can swipe a card. You can give online. Uh, you can uh, de- deposit it in a box on the way out whatever you'd like to do. Let me pray over that offering. You all stay at the altar as long as you want. Keep seeking the Lord. Father, we thank you for Alex. We thank you for Bridger Ministries. We thank you for the hope that he held out to us through the gospel today, through the message, Lord God, of life change. We pray your blessing on him, your blessing on this offering as we give it today. We thank you for that, Lord God. We thank you that you have good things in store for his ministry. We pray that you bless him abundantly in Jesus' name. Amen.